Having the right TMS is vital in supporting freight broker growth. Partner with Thai Software to optimize your processes and compete with confidence. Get into the automation, data insights, and cash flow optimization game. Request a demo at thaisoftware.com. Welcome back to another edition of Check Call. Today we are covering the kind of a rate forecast into the future and a little bit of the mark of the October market update. But don't forget to subscribe to Check Call the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Today we are welcoming back our absolute favorite guest, David Spencer, the Vice President of Market Intelligence at Arrive Logistics. Welcome back, David. Thank you, Mary. Very much uh, appreciate being here. I'm very excited for today because um, this is what I like to have the fun times of. And it's kind of David's, I feel like I, I probably shouldn't call it David Spencer's glimpse into the future because I know that there's a lot of people that work on it, and, on it, but we're kind of, you know, arrives calling their shot. You're seeing, you're saying, this is what's probably going to happen in the future. And as a result, um, we kind of get to sit here and talk about it and see if you're going to be right, if you're going to be wrong. Let's get into it. So what are some of these big trends that we can kind of expect to see for the rest of 2023 and 2024? Yeah, well, first and foremost, let me let me kind of, uh, you know, uh, preclude this with, um, you know, uh, yes, we have a crystal ball and we know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> no, um, obviously, like we we're putting out there um, our thoughts on what we think is the most likely scenario based on the information we have right now. Right. That's how. Um, we're making decisions and and how we're thinking about how to proceed and strategize as a business and and us putting that out there is, is really meant to help um you know facilitate conversations and um y- you know open the door to these conversations with those that we work with both shippers and carriers about you know how we navigate these times together so uh you know happy to talk about about what we're going to see and then obviously um you know the rest of this year and in the next year uh we hope we get it right but we obviously know that um that's really hard to do on a consistent basis but um for this year and the next year what are we seeing well i think um you know from a rate perspective we believe we're sort of at the bottoming from a spot market perspective uh we're at the bottoming of of the the freight cycle here right so what does that mean we think both uh van and refrigerated rates are at a floor um, you know, and, and we're still seeing a large delta between where, where spot rates are at and contract rates. And so, uh, from that perspective, we think that there's a little bit of a ways to go before, uh, the market is truly vulnerable to disruption. And before we see, uh, you know, a market flip, um, you know, the rest of this year, uh, you know, we're on board with the muted peak season conversation, but, but we think it's a slightly dangerous narrative because, uh, you know, we think that uh, shippers should should be aware that, you know, even though it's a more muted peak season and, and less volatility out there, there's still going to be volatility in the areas that typically see it, um, you know, and, and that's what we're cautioning. I, uh, I kind of like that you guys have called it a muted peak season because I know that uh, some of the Internet has caught on to weak season. Um, and I mean, look, weak season, peak season, it rhymes. It's catchy. It makes sense. But at the same time, like, you know, week sees it makes it sound like there's going to be three trucks on the road and, you know, there's not going to be much demand. But like you said, you know, there will still be demand. It won't quite be what we were used to seeing um, in previous years. But um, I, I much prefer the muted peak season over week season just because it still is like it's there's still going to be one, but it's just going to be a little more. Yeah, I mean. Really, the initial start to the fourth quarter here supports that, right? We're in a little bit of a lull. We've seen 
uh, accepted volumes on the CLAV.USA really kind of fall off into the middle part of October here. And, um, you know, we're still seeing spot market demand fall off as well. And so um, those are trends that we'd expect to see coming into the beginning of the fourth quarter and, and stepping back from uh, end of quarter push in September. Um, that's a more normal historical pattern. Uh, just it deviates from what we saw over the pandemic. So uh, it feels like a big, big slowdown. Uh, we're not used to that from a recent memory perspective, um, but it definitely gives some some um, you know support to the concept of a muted peak season. Seeing that lull, um, I expect a very similar uh, fourth quarter to what we saw a year ago. Um, so if you think back to the challenges we saw then, um, I would say expect similar challenges again this year. I would say kind of um, since you guys are out here calling your shot, saying this is what we think, this is what's going to happen. What made you guys like want to just share it with the world? Because you could have kept your crystal ball to yourself and said, this is mine. I'm going to take it. And you guys can just find your own crystal ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, having an idea of what's coming, you know, uh, to some degree, there there's components of how we see this playing out that um, are going to affect our strategy that that we certainly are going to hold close to the vest. But, um, you know, in terms of what we expect to see from a larger market uh, perspective or larger market trends, I mean, this this is what um, this is how we build trust with those that we work with. Right. On the shipper side in particular, um, we're not just throwing darts. We're not uh, making decisions based on what we need to happen as a company. Right. Like uh, we're we're. We are open to these conversations. We think a lot of benefit comes from these conversations. Uh, it builds better relationships with those that we work with. Um, it opens the door to conversations with those that we don't currently work with. Um, you know, and ultimately, if 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 we get people operating this industry off of, um, you know, uh, information and data, uh, that's ultimately than uh, people operating off of uh, instinct and uh, survival instincts in some cases, right? And so, um, you know, we, we, we've gotten a lot of uh, positive feedback from this, a lot of engagement, um, you know, and, and we continue to put this out there from that perspective. Also, we all know it comes down to uh, execution, right? Even if you know what's coming, um, we're confident in our ability to navigate uh, any market and, and um uh, up against any of our competition and, and, and be successful. And so we're, we're not too shared, uh, scared to share this information. Just a casual, humble brag in there of like, yeah, we have the data and we know how to use it. And like, we're not worried. We're not worried. Because like you said, they, like all the data is out there. You guys just kind of compile it and, you know, make some analysis about it. But it's really all about how you in turn use it and, you know, apply it in your business every day. So I like it. But uh, no matter what, you know arrives got it so what is kind of the um everyone's kind of focused on van rates which you know is a little bit sad for some of the other modes of transportation but i understand that van rates kind of you know are a lot more predictable and easier to kind of know what's going to happen from so how is the or what's the expected growth kind of for rates um uh, for spot rates in the rest of the year and then also um, you know, are we going to see some drops in rates once the new year starts? Yeah, I, I think um, we're expecting to see uh, rates pick up in line with with seasonal expectation here on the van side of things as we get into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll try and hold back from talking about what we'll see on refrigerated equipment, but because I think we'll we'll probably dig into that a little bit later. But 
Um, you know, it, we expect fan rates to pick up off the floor a little bit, like I said, line with normal seasonality. Um, from that perspective, that should carry into January. Uh, you know, that's a time we tend to see um, drivers and, and, and carriers see a lot of time off. That creates some more disruption in, in the industry on a short-term basis or seasonal basis. Um, you know, the back half of Q1 is always slow. February, always slow. Um, we don't expect that to be different this year, right? But one of the, the key trends we're interested in is, is what happens with contract rates through the RFP season in this fourth quarter and into the first quarter of next year. Um, what that does to um, how carriers continue to be able to service freight at these rates, particularly brokers, um, those that might be making decisions based on um, you know, trying to survive, right. Going low with rates, uh, you know, as rates pick up a little bit, as we see capacity exit the market, um, we're going to see that vulnerability to, to those, especially on the broker side coming in with low contract rates, um, to some disruption there. Right. And so we go through another round of RFP, uh, reductions here, um, RFPs, uh, with contract rate reductions. Uh, we think there's some definite risk for those that are, um, trying to go low to to grab market share and and that that creates vulnerability when these rates go live and and when we start to see rates pick up so we're talking you know early produce season um, early construction season when things really start getting going out there um, say March uh, March of next year we're, that's going to be our first test um, but ultimately as we get into that summer peak season next year uh, mid May uh, through July 4th is is really when we expect to see, um, you know, some of those give backs really pick up on the contract side. So basically, um, basically January, February are going to be as sad and depressing as usual. I would say the back half of January into February, uh, you know, it depends on who you are, right? If you're a shipper, um, it's going to be nice to get some reprieve from, from the holiday rate volatility. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a ways to go before this market is, is truly vulnerable, right? So um, look at those typical seasonal seasonal uh, trends. Uh, late January into February, um, you know th- that's a typically a slow time. There's not a not a ton of seasonal freight moving at that time, and so um, shippers should see you know easing rate pressures and um, carriers on the spot side of things in particular. Um, we're going to see some of that opportunity dry up, but um, you know uh, a lot of freight going live at that point in time. That's really what we're going to be paying attention to is is, um, you know, shippers ability to see those contracts maintained uh, through rate volatility through the first half of next year. Um, that's going to inform our forecast and how we update our forecast uh, as we get into the, the first part of the year. So we're going to go to the cold, the cold side of things now, the other land that I live in. Um, I feel like reefer rates and reefer demand has been so high in the last month all of a sudden. Like there's, I mean, I know the Pacific Northwest, as we mentioned last month, um, has their harvest season, but what's kind of the expectation for them? Are we going to see a lot of dramatic reefer falling rates once produce season and once harvest season's kind of done? Um, or are we going to, are they going to, is reefer going to, you know, stay on top and have higher rates than pretty much everything else? Well, very similar to what we've seen on the van side of things. Uh, refrigerated equipment market has really seen an easing here into the start of the fourth quarter as well. So I think we're seeing that slowdown um, come into play, but uh, one thing we know is uh, people like to ease, especially around the holidays. And uh, we don't expect to see um, unseasonal demand uh, around the holidays, uh, right? And so um, 
it, one of the trends we really saw through summer peak season with refrigerated freight and through the harvest seasons where these pockets uh, where you saw demand surges, you saw increased routing guide disruptions um, to levels that we're not seeing on the van side. And so our our take on that and our read on that is, is you know, you see tender rejections pop up above, um, you know, 10, 12 percent. Um, that's a sign that, that the, the recovery might be a little bit further ahead on the refrigerated side of things. And, and so, uh, with that, we also think vulnerability to seasonal, uh, raid volatility, and then even, uh, vulnerability to disruption, um, as we get into next year. I want to say that one time I actually looked up how many reefer trucks it takes to get all of the, like, of the Thanksgiving goods where they need to go. And it's something like 15,000 for just turkeys like not including all the sides. And that's, that to me is absolutely insane. I know it's like the weirdest fun fact that I have in my head, but it is absolutely insane that it's that many trucks to get all of the turkeys where they need to be for Thanksgiving. People might might buy less gifts this year, but they're probably not going to eat less turkey. So uh, that is true. <laughs> uh, you know, from a demand perspective, uh, yeah, we have some concerns around um, retail demand, but we also think that it could be a bright spot as we get into next year. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, upside on the consumer spending, um, you know, trends as a late, um, uh, consumer spending seasonally adjusted, inflation adjusted continues to grow. Um, the consumer is relatively strong as a whole. Uh, you know, that's helped run down inventories. That's created a situation for retailers to, to revert back to more normal ordering patterns and potentially more normal import. Uh, levels as we get into retail import levels as we get into, um, you know, next year and resetting this inventory cycle. So we think, you know, retail um, demand, assuming the consumer remains strong, um, should potentially be a bright spot as we get into next year. I, I'm kind of hopeful for that as well. I mean, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there, but I have I have faith in the average in the everyday consumer getting back on getting back on the horse and getting back on spending. Uh, myself included. Um, But one of the things you kind of brought up a little bit was the volatility and routing guides. What um, do you think that that's only going to happen on reefer? Or do you think that dry van um, is, you know, subject to that volatility as well? And kind of what some of those uh, external factors that could disrupt those those routing guides that maybe shippers need to be aware of? I think it comes down to the shipper and their their carrier strategy and how they've leveraged um, spot versus contract through this this cycle and how they've leveraged um, you know brokers and assets and um, you know if you've really looked to uh, brokers and push down on rates um, you know your contract rate might be a little bit closer to the current spot rate right um, and if that's the case and we see um, spot rates pick up a bit you're more prone to seeing routing out disruption um, you know, just from from having a, a, a larger degree of risk um, with lower contract rates, right? Um, those that have rates in place with larger asset carriers that are at a sustainable level or even with broker, larger brokerages at a sustainable level, um, they're going to see less uh, risk of disruption, right? And so I think it comes back down to just, um, you know, where we're at in the cycle, the supply and demand balance and, and the ability of, of the carrier that you're choosing to contract rate to a uh, broker or asset, their ability to um, continue to provide that, that, you know, uh, level of service that, that meets your expectation. I kind of like that because the whole last year has been such a emphasis on relationship building and, you know, cut carrier service and, you know, not really 
letting carriers who lack good service kind of get away with it, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I like that that's going to, that potentially that could continue to be a trend. Um, I think really, like you said, it just co- truly does come down to, you know, building those relationships, making sure that you have great carriers, um, and that, you know, you're, you know, who you're partnering with and they live up to your expectations. And I know every shipper has different expectations and different things that they value. So it truly is, there's someone out there for everyone. You just got to find the right carrier for you. I mean, shippers are pretty smart, right? They know if, if you can't provide good service in in a market like we're in today, you're probably not going to be a good partner when when the market flips, right? And and we've seen that on the shipper side. We've seen um, a lot of shippers cutting down on their carrier networks, right? Big reductions, uh, pandemic, area, pandemic era using 50 plus carriers now using 10 or less. Um, you know, a lot of cleanup on the shipper side, um, you, you know, that that's created a lot of disruption um, for brokers, right? Their ability to continue to to compete. And, and you hear a lot of uh, narrative on, on the side of uh, freight demand fall off. Um, a lot of that is just what type of demand you have access to, right? Are you still getting in with uh, the shippers who are moving freight? Um, you know, it's our opinion that the freight market in general remains uh, really well re- supplied with freight. And, um, you know, there is still a lot of freight moving. And so um, we don't really buy into as much that, hey, demand has significantly fell off a cliff. Uh, more so, we think access to that demand uh, has fallen off a cliff. And, um, you know, a lot of that's come from different trends we've seen. You know, shippers have invested in private fleets, assets continue to add capacity. You've seen that in new truck orders. Most recent month, um, you know, spiking as build slots opened up for next year. You know, not every carrier is experiencing the same downturn. I I like that because it's it's truly everyone has their own different business. And what works for a small carrier that might have two or three trucks is obviously completely different than a mega carrier that has, I'm sorry, an uh, enterprise carrier that has maybe like a thousand trucks or something like that. It's truly different for everybody. And I mean, you know, that just goes to show that, again, for every shipper, there's a carrier that matches it. Um, I also, I'm a big proponent historically and, you know, still to this day of shippers kind of bringing their network in closer. Um, you know, obviously you're going to have stuff that you squat to the spot market and use those carriers from time to time. That's inevitable. But, um, personally, I am a really big fan of having a pretty tight closed network, um, or at least a pretty strict routing guide, because I just, I, like you said, I feel like you get stronger quality. Um, you get a better relationship and you get those things that you want out of your partners a lot easier. Um, but that's just that's just my two cents from back in the day. No, I, I think that it's just it's important too to know who you're working with right now. One of the biggest um, you know, topics in our industry right now is is fraud and theft, right? And so when you know who you're working with, you cut your carrier base down. Um, you, you know, you have good relationships with those you work with, you really reduce your risk in those areas. And it really is. I mean, I know that, you know, your standard carriers aren't going to be great, a great fit for anything and every load that comes your way. But for a majority of it, I think is one of the easiest ways to keep yourself from being susceptible to fraud and theft and double brokering and all of that, which is not something that anyone ever wants to deal with. I don't know anyone that's woke up today and say, let's go find a double brokering case to get involved in. So what do you kind of think is going to happen with fuel over the next six months? What does that what does that forecast have for arguably the one thing that is the hardest to forecast? 
Yeah, and it's it's getting even harder. I mean, you know, you see you see what's happening in the Middle East and, and first and foremost, I mean, it it's it's just um, you know, heartbreaking to see, you know, the loss and, and what's going on there. Um, you know, and then obviously what that means for you know, potential um let's say regional war, regional conflict. Um, who knows what could end up happening in, in the Middle East, right? And and we all know that impact that that has on on uh, fuel supply or oil supply um, and what that could mean for fuel prices domestically so um you know very little uh understanding of, of exactly what the risks are there but i would say probably really high to the upside in terms of what we could see from an oil price um you know impact should there be uh, a growing conflict or growing war in the middle east um, something to be mindful of there, right? But what we know is, is when fuel prices go up, that that can be disruptive. That can create additional financial stress for carriers, especially smaller carriers, a lot of spot freight access. Maybe they don't have the contract freight that is that has that variable fuel component, um, right? And so as fuel prices go up, we tend to see uh, lagging revocations of authority from that um, as we see carriers that didn't really necessarily understand their cost structure um, suddenly find their, their margins pinched a bit more. And so at a time where rates are already uh, unsustainably low on the spot side, you add additional financial stress from increased fuel expense. And, um, you know, that, that certainly could accelerate carrier exits, especially smaller carrier exits as we get into next year. And, um, you know, hopefully we don't see um, growing unrest in the Middle East and um, we see things calm down and, and fuel, fuel prices can come down. I think that's what everyone would want to see. Is there anything that a shipper can do or even a broker can do to kind of mitigate some of those high fuel charges or kind of any strategy that they can implement to maybe, you know, help their carriers out, help themselves out for potential big swings in fuel? I mean, first and foremost, you need to know your cost structure, especially as a carrier, right? Know your operating expenses to the itemized detail. Um, And as your fuel expense goes up, um, you should factor that into how you're quoting your rate per mile to to whomever you're quoting your services for, right? And and know what you're paying for fuel and know how that impacts your profitability. Um, you know, it's just good good business sense to do that, right? And and I think across the board. And then ultimately, don't be afraid to um, set up your services with a fuel schedule, right? If if you are doing things contractually or consistently. Um, you know, negotiating a, a fuel surcharge that is indexed to a national average. Um, that's something we see very commonly in our industry. And I think that's something that uh, provides reassurance and, um, y- you know, uh, support and, and, and helps keep um, uh, pay very fair uh, as fuel goes up and down. Um, you know, and that's something that, that we recommend it. And we do ourselves, right? We, we work with care- a lot of carriers and we're not just buying exclusively in the spot market, we're uh, packing, adju- packing uh, together uh, contracts uh, to give to to carriers to run, and, and we're doing so on fuel schedules. So um, don't be afraid to ask and set those up if, if that's something that you don't. I like it. It's a survive. It's kind of a, we're in this together. We're not just going to kind of try and screw you over. We're really going to work with you. Um, but we are running out of time. And David, you know that means that I have another hot take question for you. So if you had to choose between a pet dinosaur or a pet dragon, which would you choose? I mean, these questions, I keep getting better and better. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think like right now it comes down to one key difference, right? Like in my mind, you know, dragons are kind of like dinosaurs and vice versa. But 
you know, uh, there are dinosaurs that fly, right. That I, you know, presume if you could train a, a dragon to fly on a dragon, you could probably do that with a dinosaur, but dragons can also breathe fire. So like, that's one thing, uh, you know, I haven't really seen any dinosaurs, uh, you know, breathing fire, uh, you know, so I guess that's the, the, the way I would lean. You're so you're team dragon for the fire breathing aspect. I guess, right? Because there's what 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 else? What's the other difference? I mean, you know, if you if you rolled up into a meeting or if you brought your pet T Rex to work, like I don't feel like anyone would ask you to do something that you don't want to do that day. Well, they certainly wouldn't ask you to reach something on a high shelf. That's a good one. Uh, so if anyone wants to, uh, you know, question your dragon versus dinosaur choice or, you know, reach out to you about anything we talked about today, where can they find you outside the show? Yeah, uh, I always direct everyone to RobLogistics.com. All of the content that we're putting out there, um, you know, you can find there navigating to our insights page. Um, you know, additionally, on, on LinkedIn, we're very active, uh, both the Rive Logistics page as well as uh, myself, um, you know, they're sharing our content and, and sharing our thoughts on what's going on in the freight market. And I'm happy to talk about what we're seeing and, and what we're forecasting as well as, um, you know, we didn't really get to it today, but how has our forecast performed uh, over the past year? Um, you know, and, and really what what qualifies us to even put a forecast out there. Happy to talk through all that. And uh, but thanks again for the time, Mary. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, anytime. You know, there's no market. There's no other market expert I'd, I'd talk to. Thank you very much. Find Check Call the Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible Freight Waves podcasts such as Rethinking, Reshoring, and Great Quarter Gals. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com. See you on the internet.